Where did you pick up the story? I read Jay Malash's paper, and it hit me that the critical thing was the pattern of what had survived, what species had survived and which had not. And uh, I got to work with some geologists who were experts on the fossils before and after. And they, they said, yes, it was nothing larger than a squirrel had made it out. And everything that they find after the extinction was plausibly a burrower. I mean, it's, it's an exact match for what they find. You find mammals, turtles, lizards, snakes, frogs, crocodiles. Birds were a problem for a while until we realized that burrow nesting birds are the key to the puzzle there. There are a dozen or so species of birds that nest in burrows, and we think most of the surviving birds were nesting in burrows at the time. The original paper by Jay Malosh in 1990 described what happened after the impact. The impact of a 10-kilometer asteroid coming in at five times the velocity of a bullet came in with 100 million megatons of energy. One megaton is an average-size hydrogen bomb. So we're talking 100 million hydrogen bombs going off all at once in Yucatan in Mexico. And the people that discovered this, Louis and Walter Alvarez at, uh, at Berkeley, imagined that this had caused the mass extinction by an impact winter, that the dust and smoke from the explosion had blanked out sunlight for a couple of years. Jay Malosh discovered there was something else going on, that the impact had splashed, it had vaporized the, the whole asteroid. <clears throat> Ten kilometer asteroid was vaporized, and about the, a like amount of, of earth rock was vaporized too, and the vaporized rock exploded up through the atmosphere and beyond the atmosphere, where it condensed into little sand-sized raindrops of melted rock, uh, little millimeter-sized drops. And these rained down on the entire planet, and they carried an enormous amount of kinetic energy. They carried about 20% of the energy of the impact, and that means 20 million megatons that came back down into the upper atmosphere. If you calculate 20 million megatons around the surface area of the Earth, it's one megaton every six kilometers, or the energy of a hydrogen bomb every six kilometers around the entire planet. And this is all deposited in the upper atmosphere because that's where the kinetic energy disappeared and was converted to heat by friction when the, when the particles re-entered the upper atmosphere. And that heat was roughly equivalent to 12 to 1500 degrees centigrade, something like the temperature of the elements in your oven on broil. The whole sky was this temperature. If you want to know what that feels like, set your oven on broil, put your hand in there, and feel the radiant heat coming off of it. Don't actually do that. That's a thought experiment. Put a stake in there and watch what happens after a couple of hours. How long did this go on? This stuff came raining back in for a couple of hours um, on various trajectories, suborbital, and uh, fairly uniformly distributed around the planet. Uh, they find about three millimeters of these little spheres everywhere they look. I've seen a picture of it from Tbilisi in the Caucasus. They find it in cores in the Pacific Ocean. These three, it doesn't sound like much, three millimeters of these little rocks but three millimeters coming in with sub-escape velocity. 
is an enormous amount of kinetic energy. It is in a six kilometer circle, three kilometer radius circle, it's a megaton of energy. Nothing survives at that point, right? Nothing above ground. Everything that isn't sheltered from that kind of heat is going to die. And fires are going to be ignited. Now I should say the recent calculations the original calculation just calculated how much energy was there, and half of it radiated down, and half of it radiated. That was Malash's. That was Malash's original. That's his contribution, right? Be a brilliant piece. He's he's done a lot of the work on this. Uh, he's recently recalculated, assuming that the atmosphere is not perfectly transparent, because it turns out these little spheres, these rocks, are falling through it, and that makes the atmosphere less transparent than it would normally be, and that reduces the amount of radiation that hits the Earth's surface. And whereas before you were dealing with enough radiation to light a two by four, now there's still enough radiant energy to ignite tinder. Pine needles, dried leaves, lichens, anywhere that tinder is exposed to the, to the sky, you'd have fires lit. And you know what happens when you toss a cigarette into a pile of tinder? Forest fires burn. Now imagine every piece of tinder that's exposed to the sky around the entire planet is ignited. And not just tinder, flesh. I mean, flesh from too. everything, it, well, flesh that is, that is exposed would be, it, it's too much heat to survive. Um, so, and actually one geologist wrote that couldn't have happened because everything would be dead when he should have said everything above ground would be dead because it turns out dirt is a very good insulator. And we calculate about 10 centimeters of dirt is enough to insulate you from this for, for several hours. About 10 centimeters down, the temperature would have raised one degree or so. Now, the fires would have burned a very long time, right? No, because they ignited everywhere all at once. There's no fuel for them. A regular forest fire burns for months because it's burning into fresh fuel for months and months. But if you've got, if you've got the ignition going on everywhere at once, you're going to burn everything in a few hours. I'm imagining yeah. this. This asteroid, the physical size of the asteroid, Manhattan, something like something that. Something like that. This asteroid, it's a nice sunny day somewhere in the Mexico. Amer Mexico. And this asteroid enters the atmosphere, and within two hours, the planet is a carbon ball. Yeah, is flaming embers, and yes. 70% or so of the species went extinct. That is to say, in 70% of species, you had 100% mortality. That implies in the surviving species, you have probably had nearly 100% mortality. It isn't like some species were off on a Sunday school picnic while the rest of them died. That just There's no physical way that you can make that work. But what you can do make work is a model in which almost everything is dead. And the difference between everything dead and almost everything dead is important. Because it only takes a small number of survivors to repopulate a continent on a scale of decades. Look what a handful of rabbits did in Australia in a couple of decades. The population grows exponentially, and you repopulate it about as fast as things can walk from one end of the continent to the other. What's this landscape look like now as these animals start to emerge? Now they're getting hungry, right? They poke up through their little, uh, out of their little burrows. They look at ash all around. Most of them didn't survive. Almost all the shelterers died, too, we think. They needed two or three things. They needed shelter. That's not a problem for a burrower. They needed water, and they needed food. And the last two come together. They had to find water, and they probably found... 
freshwater invertebrates. They were eating crawdads for quite a while. Uh, crawdads, worms, the things that were surviving in, in freshwater that had been sheltered from the heat and fire by water. The impact winter idea, Alvarez's original idea, that happened. We're fairly convinced of that. Although there's less evidence than there is for the heat and fire, but still it's, it's um, almost impossible to avoid. And impact winter, no sunlight at the surface of the Earth for a year or two. It sounds like, it sounds like the Earth's atmosphere has been turned to India ink, but it's not like that at all. If your visibility is a few hundred yards, that's enough to kill sunlight completely because you lose everything in a few hundred yards and you've got a lot of few hundred yards above you. Sunlight doesn't make it. If you're standing there with a huge flashlight, you have no, no problem seeing a couple of football fields around you. The atmosphere isn't that opaque. This underscores how extremely transparent the atmosphere is in normal state to, to let light through through several miles of atmosphere. Water won't do that. You can't get, uh, you can't get sunlight through miles of water. You lose sunlight in a bright, clear ocean. You lose sunlight at about 600 feet. So, if something, if the atmosphere is as, as opaque as the ocean off Tahiti, that's that's enough to kill sunlight at the surface of the Earth for a couple of years. And the uh, the survivors had to get through that as well. But the pattern of survival that everything that survived is plausibly a burrower we think was probably set in the fires and heat in the first few hours. And then you had to get some of those things through the next impact, winter and starvation, everything. They, they did not have a pleasant time, but, and most of them died. Most of the shelters, most of the survivors died. But you only need a few dozen survivors in a species to propagate the entire species. But can you see uh, an evidence that there were very few initial founders for species that are still extant. You see exactly that pattern. Founders exploded at almost exactly this time, and there's a huge debate going on right now because a lot of the genetic studies put that point before the extinction. We think they've got the timing wrong, slightly. <laughs>